Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greater Alton Church, and if you're planning on watching the Super Bowl, good luck with that. Um, good to be together this morning. My name is Tim, and uh, we're in the middle of studying the names of Jesus, especially the names he gives himself. A couple of things I want to tell you about. First, I want to say the Daddy-Daughter Dance was amazing. We had a great time, and it, how many of you got to go to that? Anybody here? Any daddies in here? Oh, well, there's a mommy. You snuck in? Okay, Jafer. <laughs> but uh, it was a great time. Uh, really enjoyed it. And um, I appreciate uh, Brian and Ashley and several other uh, volunteers make that a really uh, a lot of fun, enjoyable. Met a lot of new people. A lot of new people came to this thing. Kind of cool. And then, of course, there's a Hot Wheels rally coming up that's going to be just here in a few weeks. And we just... You know, we're asking for help, of course. And if you need to, who do I talk to? You can talk to me. You can talk to Nathan. You can talk to just about anybody in the kids' ministry. And they'll uh, be more than happy to plug you in somewhere. Again, we're talking about all these names for Jesus. Do you have a favorite name you'd like to be called? Uh, or maybe, maybe at school, somebody tagged you with a name. Every school, I don't care, every school has somebody that's the nickname king. Am I right? They seem to give the nicknames, and when you get the nickname, you're stuck with it for life. The fellow in my uh, class, was his name was Mike Potter. And he would name people, he named one guy, Bob Longbonds, Tojo, or Tojo Yonemoto, you know. And he looked like Tojo the wrestler. He didn't have a neck. It just his head began at his shoulders, and it was just a block. He named another guy Tick. What, Tick? Yeah, his name was Ken Pollock. And, and Ken, uh, I don't know what it is about his family. He had a big body, but a little head about the size of a grapefruit. And they called him Tick. And it stuck. And I remember in the fourth grade, we're out in the playground, and I could see it in his eyes. Mike Potter was looking at me, and I'm going, oh no, my time has come. Please be kind. And he goes, you're Pimwee. And I go, huh? Pimwee. And all my friends are looking at me. And they all kind of did this every time. They kind of look, oh, it's like a cult or what, and point at me and go, Pimway, Pimway, Pimway. And I had it the rest of my life. And it was because we were studying this kid uh, called Pimway, the jungle boy, in social studies. And I was so skinny. They said, you look just like him. And that name was stuck. Even in high school, he would call me Pimway. But he would say, boy of rainforest. <laughs> what a... What a crazy name. You ever, there's certain names you just you get stuck with. Jesus was called by 198 different names. Think about that. Almost 200 names. People would, would call him and they would describe him with, with this name. They might describe where he lived. For example, you're Jesus of Nazareth because he's from that town. Or some, somebody, someone might call him Jesus the Christ because he claimed to be the Christ. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Called him the Lamb of God. And Jesus called himself by a lot of names, though, as well. He called himself things like the vine, or the door, or the shepherd. He called him, he, one time he said uh, his name was I Am. That got a lot of people nervous. And yet, there's this one name, you know, that sticks out uh, that, that he calls himself the most. And it's this name, the Son of Man. Are you kidding me? Of all the names, you know, I think of him as the Son of God. I think that's what I, as I see him, I see him as the Messiah. But Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. 
more than any name. God's more than any name that, has ever, that he ever used to refer to himself. In the Gospels, there's over 86 times Jesus calls himself by that name. The Gospels record these. Um, there's only one person in the New Testament, only one person that called Jesus the Son of Man. Only one. And it's while he's dying. I got to thinking about this. This is this one, this particular name out of the series I was looking at scared me the most because I don't understand it. I do not understand son of man. Oh, he's a son of a he's a human being. He's a son of a guy, you know, son of a man. Wait a minute, no, he's really a son of a woman. What? What? And he calls himself son of man all over the place. What what do I what do I get out of this name? You know, I understand why they called Ken Tick. Okay? And Bob Tojo, but to say Jesus goes, just call me Son of Man. You know, what do we call you? This is the name I go by, Son of Man. And that's what I want to look at today. We're going to look at a lot of verses. I got a bunch of verses that are not even on your notes because there's no room. When you think about it, when there are eighty-two verses in the New Testament that mention the Son of Man, we don't have time for that, do we? Not today. But man, it's there all over the place. So why does he call himself that? I'm going to give you what I believe are two reasons Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. There's a lot of different views out there, and they kind of hold water and they kind of not, but these two seem to be the most popular, and, I'll, and I agree with these two. The first one is the name Son of Man points to his humanity. I mean, that's what the term means. It means a human being. The Old Testament is filled with verse after verse after verse. They, they mention the Son of Man. In fact, here in Psalms 8, this is the first time you'll read in the NIV, you'll read the term Son of Man here in Psalms 8. And look what David says. He says, when I observe your heavens, he says, I observe your heavens, Lord, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, I see what you've done. I see your power, your majesty. He goes, what is a human being that you remember him? <laughs> I mean, a son of man that you would even look at after him. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a speck. Why would you even be paying attention to someone like me? I'm just a human being. Ezekiel is called the son of man 39 different times in just the book of Ezekiel. Let me give you an example here in Ezekiel 2.3. He says to Ezekiel, he said, God says to him, Son of man, I'm sending you to the Israelites. Daniel is called a son of man only once. And it's in while well, he's having a vision. And look what it says here in, in Daniel 8. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. So when Jesus calls himself son of man, there is an Old Testament momentum there that kind of just pushes us to, to think about that very thing. Oh, he's the son of man. He's a human being. He's claiming to be someone a member of the human race, someone like me, someone that's not out of touch, but can identify with what I am and what I go through, who understands what life is like on earth as a human being. And, and, and as a human being, he also was able to pay the penalty of a human sin. Our sin. He couldn't have done it because it, it had to be paid by a human being. And so here he comes as this human being. But most of all, this is the thing I want you to, to get this morning. 
One of these things I want you to get. The Son of Man, Jesus wants me to know this, that the Son of Man is like what you and I were created to be. Let me say it again. The Son of Man shows me what you and I were created to be. That what you and I were made for. He's the man. You see, He comes from heaven to earth. He's a special man to show us what we were created to be and, and listen, what we're to become. Because the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the thing that gets me. He come from a place that wasn't broken to a place broken. So we're all messed up. And he's saying, okay, here's how an unbroken person lives on this earth, which was the, what was supposed to be all along. Follow me? It wasn't supposed to be broken. And so he comes, he's coming to this earth going, okay, let me show you how an unbroken life is to be lived. And I'm going to come here and restore you to unbrokenness. That's an ugly way to say it, but that's, I want you to be unbroken again, Tim. So, so that's, that's the first thing. That's a gimme for me, okay? That the Son of Man points to His humanity, but He points to more than His humanity. And this is the thing that I noticed that, that I believe Jesus really refers to Himself as the Son of Man for this reason. And that is that the Son of Man points to His power and His authority. He points to His power and authority. He's unlike any man. You know, there's some men on this earth and women that have a little more authority than others. Am I right? They carry a badge. They've got a title. You know, they, they've got a, they've got a position. But Jesus, <laughs> he has much more power and much more authority. Look here in Matthew 16. It says, "Who do people say the Son of Man is?" He asked this to his disciples. Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they go, "Well, they give him human being names, right? John the Baptist. That's a guy." Jeremiah, that's a guy, right? Uh, Elijah, there's another man. Maybe one of the prophets. And he says, but what do you say? This is how we know, this is how I know what Jesus was really trying to say when he said Son of Man because Peter answers it correctly. See, Peter understood what Son of Man meant. It meant more than a human being because he says, what does he say to him? What do you say, Peter? I think you're the Christ. The Son of the living God. Now that gets me all confused because you've got Son of God and Son of Man. Aren't they two different things? No. Not according to Jesus. I'm the same guy. You can call me Tim. You can call me Timmy. You can call me Timotheos. Same guy. You're Tim the son when I'm around my mom. I'm Tim the husband when I'm around my wife. I'm Tim the dad when I'm around my kids, but I'm the same guy. Follow me? So he... He's, he's, he's talking about, he says, when I say Son of Man, I'm talking about someone else, not just a human being, but someone that's been promised to come and establish something eternal. Yes, Jesus, when He says He's the Son of Man, He's a descendant of Adam. He's a human being like Adam. You know the Bible says that Jesus is all called the, also called the second Adam? So the first Adam brought death. The second Adam 
it says, brought life. And that's, that's Jesus Christ. And so this is more than just a mere human. This is a special man. This is a sinless man. This is a man from heaven. I can't get my mind around that because human beings are from earth. But this man is from heaven. And he doesn't just possess some authority he possess, or some power. He possesses all authority and all power. I read this. I, I, I couldn't shake it. The greatest and most, and most uh, divine claims and statements of Jesus are on the heels of him saying that he's the Son of Man. And see, no mere human being can say that. Let me give you some verses up here to look at. Here's some examples. And by the way, if you ever go to Bible Gateway, type in, in quotes, Son of Man, and you can see all these verses. Here's one here in John 3. Nicodemus is talking to Jesus, and he says, We know you're a teacher because no one could do the things you do unless you were from God. And if you keep reading along, and he's talking about being born again, then they get into these words in verses 13 through 15 before he gets into the big John 3.16 passage that we all know by heart. Look what he says to Nicodemus. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. He said, I'm the only one. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. You know the story about Moses and the snake? The people are, are dying of a plague. God is striking them dead. And Moses says, quick, Aaron, get up. Get a stick, put a snake on it, run between the, the people. And as he does, the plague stops. So Jesus is saying, just like Moses stopped a plague, I'll, the Son of Man's going to be lifted up and stop the plague. And then he says that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. He's referring to himself. He's claiming that he is the, he is the key to eternal life. That's what, that's what Jesus is claiming as a son of man. Let's look at another passage in Matthew 12 here. He says this, For Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the son of man will be, will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What's he claiming? I'm going to die and resurrect. I can't make that claim. Can you? I know there's magicians that make it look fancy. Oh, they died and they come back. But you know it's a trick. Jesus says, I'm doing it for real. The Son of Man, a human being, is going to do that. Yes, I'm going to do that. And then look at this next passage. It's in Mark 2. Remember that wow, a couple of weeks ago, or was it last week, we talked about the fellows that brought this, this guy through the roof. Here's what Mark says. As he brings him through the roof, remember they put him right in front of Jesus and he says, your sins are forgiven. And they say this, why does this man say things like that? Notice, why does this man... This human being say some stuff like that. He is saying things that are against God. Only God can forgive sin. They make it really clear. Only God can do that. And you go down to verse 10. He says, he says, you're surprised at me saying this? Well, let me prove it to you. I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, stand up, take up your mat and go home. And he takes up his mat and he goes home. See, this man we're talking about this morning, the Son of Man, has a lot of power and authority. 
And it's more than just any man. In fact, he has all of the power and all of the authority. In Mark 14, uh, he's before the Sanhedrin. And they're, they're having a problem with Jesus. They're trying to catch him. They're saying, he's claiming if he tears down the temple, he can put it back up in three days. And yet there's some confusion because somebody goes, I don't know if he's talking, is he talking about the temple or is he talking about himself? And they're going back and forth. They're trying to figure this out. They're trying to find some way to get him so they can kill him. They can, they can punish him. And so the high priest, it says, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? He's asking, are you the Messiah, the son of God? And what's Jesus say? I am. And then he goes, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. He says, yeah, I'm the Son of God. Yeah, I'm the Messiah. And you're going to see me, the Son of Man, coming in the clouds. You're going to see me sitting at the right hand of God. What's he talking about there? He's quoting Daniel 7. He's quoting a little bit of Daniel 7 there. He's saying, I'm that son of man that you should know about. You should understand that. And if you go to Daniel 7, you find that, that Daniel's, he's, he has a lot of, remember uh, well, when we talked about the stone, that, that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of a statue and the stone from nowhere came and knocked the statue down. Well, then Dan, uh, Daniel is having a dream and it's disturbing. It disturbs him. You ever had a nightmare or a dream that disturbs you? Oh yeah, you wake up, you're panicking. And he is having this dream. It bothers him so much, he's got to write it down. He's got to write this stuff down. And, what, and what's the dream about? Well, it's about these four beasts. And the first beast is a lion that's got wings. And it's coming down uh, out, of, out of the heavens and the wings are clipped. And then he sees a bear and it's got a, a, some ribs. In its teeth, you know, it must be at a Super Bowl party. It's got ribs in its teeth. No, it's eating, no, it's eating flesh. It's eating people, eating them alive. And then you see that this next beast and it's a leopard. It's got four wings and, and like four heads and it's, it's crazy looking. And then you see this next beast and Daniel goes, well, he's, well, he's more than an animal. He's the craziest looking one of all. He's gnarly. He's got teeth. He's got claws. And he is menacing and he's huge and he's destroying and eating everything in its path. What are these? What's this dream mean? And Daniel's very, very concerned about that last one because he seems to be the gnarliest and bad to the bonest of all of these, of these beasts. And he's sitting there going, what is this about? And God says, well, let me interpret this for you. Okay, the first one, the lion, that's Babylon, the kingdom of Babylon. And then after that is Persia. And after that, here comes this leopard. That's Greece. And this one here, he's the worst of all. Well, we know that to be wrong. Because it's, because he says that this beast is just giving the saints all kinds of business, destroying them, persecuting them, putting them down, knocking them out. And then he says, and then, this last beast that's the worst of them all is they're coming out of this churning ocean, which represents the churning of the nations, you know. And it's coming out of this, it's like Godzilla, you know, Godzilla, here he comes. Duh, duh. And he's and he gets obliterated, gets destroyed, smashed, smithereens, gone. It's a hunk of flesh and smoldering. 
I don't know about you, that's a crazy dream. Daniel, what did you eat before you went to bed? Man, that's a crazy dream. But he's like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And then he see, then he says this in Daniel 7. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was like a son of God, or son of man, coming with the with the clouds of heaven. That sounds like Jesus said a minute ago. You'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into His presence. He was given, look what, look what the Son of Man was given, authority, glory, and sovereign power. That means supreme power. All nations and people of every language worshipped Him. His dominion, that's His authority now, is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is why Jesus calls Himself the Son of Man. Because He's right in the middle of the Roman beast. And He's saying, this is going to be, this days are numbered. He's no ordinary man, church. He's a special man. You want to know who Superman really is? This is the man. There's no kryptonite in this man. And he says, he's basically saying, listen, I'm a descendant of Adam and Eve. I'm a promised offspring that goes back to Genesis 3.15 where it is said that I'm coming and I will crush the head. Talk about a headshot. I will crush the head of Satan and all he'll be able to do is maybe nip me in the heel. And that's me. And that's why Peter, when, when Jesus says, who is the Son of Man? Peter goes, I have no doubt. You're the man. You're that guy I read about in Daniel 7 that was promised as far back as Genesis 3. You've come here to do some damage. You've come here to defeat the beasts in my life. Now, I say all that to you to go, okay, son of man. So what's the big deal about it? Okay, son of man. He called himself by a lot. And I don't even know if I've got it all figured out. I'm going to be honest with you. The more I study about the Son of Man, the more in awe and the more excited I am that Jesus is the man, the Son of Man. But let me give you four principles that the Son of Man encourages you and I to believe. The first one is the Son of Man reigns over everything I face. I need to know that. What's your beast? What's your beast? I watch I, I watch videos. I read uh, Facebook stuff. I I, re, I read news reels. And some people's beast is their wardrobe isn't matching. Their beast is. Am I am I close? Their beast is. I don't know if I'm going to get a job after I get out of college. Big old gnarly, ugly looking thing. Scaring them to death. Maybe it's an emotional beast. Maybe it's, you know, I'm dealing with, one of the things I've learned something, I've learned here, just reminded, I guess, again, of no matter how much money you make, the essential tragedies of life you cannot escape. You can make a ton of money and still get divorced. You can make a ton of, have a ton of popularity and still get cancer. You can have a lot, you can have everything you can imagine. Everybody thinks, well, I'd like to, I'd like to have your problem. But I'm going to tell you what, 
you may not be so quick when you find out what their problem is. What's your beast? You see, I, I'm, what I notice here in this Daniel 7, and when Jesus is talking about the Son of Man, he's, he's saying, you know, beasts are destined for the dust. Beasts and kingdoms come and go. Alan gave me a big, a big uh, poster. I got it out this week. I hadn't had it out, by the way. Is he here? I didn't, I haven't had it out but once, and this was the time. I got it out. I go, what could this be? And it's the whole history of the world up to Obama being elected. And it shows you all the kingdoms and empires and countries and, and, you know, all these places that look so invincible. And I noticed something about all of them. They had a beginning and they have an end. And I noticed the United States, we got about this much of this chart that's four by four of history. A little over 200 years. And you see dynasties from China, dynasties, dynasties from Japan, the Persian Empire, Roman Empire, Greek Empire, and they, and here's the United States, it'll be anything. And we think we're all that in a bag of chips, huh? Hmm. We will come and go. All the kingdoms, the beasts come and go. How do you know that? Well, in Jaws, didn't they get the shark? They didn't get not only the first one, but the second one. In War of the Worlds, the, the, the best one, the original one. Here come all these creatures, these aliens, and they're places going crazy, and all of a sudden they start crashing. What got them? The common cold. King Kong. He fell down, went boom. In Mars Attacks, it's Slim Whitman. <laughs> My aunt, Mary Alice, loved Slim Whitman. And we're watching this movie and she goes, I do not like this movie. Because Slim Whitman made their brains explode, remember? <laughs> he started hearing it, boom! Every beast has its day, doesn't it? And Stephen is facing his beast. This is the only man that ever called Jesus the Son of Man. When they're throwing stones at him, it says here in Acts 7, look, he says, he's like he's pointing, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He's standing next to the strong, the right hand represents strong strength. It represents intimacy. It represents all this, all the, all the good things about being in the presence of someone. Favor. Promise. You're supposed to put your hand in the, in the, remember in the Old Testament, under the right thigh and make a promise under the strongest muscle that the body has. He sees his beast, the biggest, baddest, gnarliest beast of all. It's not Rome. It's not the Jews. It is death itself. And he says, look at this. I see the Son of Man. And he's standing. He's off his little throne. Or he's standing next to God looking. He cares. He's right next to God. What's your beast this morning? What is it that you're facing? That's just, I mean, it, you know what? It may not be big to me. But it's big to you, okay? And what you're facing, 
you do not have to face alone. And its days are numbered when the Son of Man is present. Praise God. I think the beast, Jesus faced the beast, and He's still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So whatever you're facing now, or you're going to face tomorrow, and you will face beasts tomorrow, I just want you to know the Son of Man came to end its dominance over you. He has all, all power and all authority. Jesus, the Son of Man, is in charge. He's got it covered. And He doesn't seem to be worried. And that's the way kings are when they got all the power. Are they ever worried? No. And He wants you to know, if you're a part of His kingdom, you don't have anything to worry about either. That's, I think that helps me. Here's the second thing that I realize that, that the Son of Man encourages me to think about. And that is, the Son of Man requires that I trust His plan. You know, Jesus had a pattern for living. I want to make sure you understand that when I talk about plan, I'm really talking about His way of living. Again, the Son of Man is to show us how to live on this earth. How a human being is supposed to live on this earth. It's one of the things I notice about Him. But it requires that I trust His plan. I trust and imitate His pattern. Here's a teacher of the law that's asking him a question. Or he says to him, just makes a statement, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay His head. What are you talking about there? He's asking this guy, you ready to rough it? You want to follow me? Understand, it's not the kind of life you may have in mind. It may be different totally different than you have in mind. You see, Jesus was not what Israel expected. And we've said this many times from the pulpit. You've heard it on YouTube and all these guys that talk about Jesus came and He was not what the Israel expected. And it's true. They expected a warrior. They expected this mighty man with, a, with some kind of army that was just going to wipe out Rome's tyranny. They expected that. And what does Jesus do? How does He get the dominance how does, he, how does He overcome and rule over every power and every kingdom? How does He defeat this beast? Well, instead of taking it by force, He takes it by surrender. He takes it by, to, by doing something. He does something humane. He does something human so that you and I can, say, can understand. I can do that. He doesn't do something supernatural that you go, well, I can't do that. No, it's something you and I can do. What's that? Surrender. Die. So that the beast can be defeated. But that don't make any sense. That's what I'm saying. This Son of Man thing is really, really tough sometimes. But that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, this is what I'm calling you to be. This is how a human being handles these things. And He wants you and I to do it the same. Look at this here in Matthew 20. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. See, this is the, this is the man, the Son of Man's plan. This is how we're to, He's calling us to live. See, He dies to bring forgiveness to mankind. And if, we, and if He calls us to die to self, 
so forgiveness can be possible for people. It's this, he's calling us to the same life. He, he, he shows us by example and calls us to this life as well. That's why he says you've got to deny yourself. By the way, you look up Luke 9, he's, he uses the term son of man just before he talks about denying yourself. And church, if people are going to find out and they're going to learn, they're going to experience the forgiveness of God, it's going to take people just like the people that reached you that will serve and sacrifice their energy, their time, their plans, their goals, their money, so someone else can experience life in a kingdom that's never going away. Here's number three. The Son of Man rewards those who follow Him. didn't realize how many places the Bible says this. For the Son of Man is going, it says in Matthew 16, is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He'll reward each person according to what they've done. In Matthew 19, He says this, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, He says this to His disciples now, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on His righteous throne, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. There's a lot there. He's saying to his disciples, you follow me, you're going to rule with me. And then he, look here, Paul says this, he alludes to this, which I thought was interesting. If we remain faithful, even in suffering, we will also rule with him. I thought, huh? I thought when I die, I go to heaven, I'm going to get a mansion in the sky. You know, that's what I'm expecting. I just want, my mom and I were talking about, we just settle for a cot in the corner of heaven. Just to be there. And, and Paul and Jesus said, you're aiming too low, Tim. You know what you're going to experience? What? Rain. Rain? Yeah, rule and rain. You want me to rule? You want me to reign? Yeah, I want you to rule and reign. And we're going to do it together, Tim. I want to, just like I want to share the reign, my reign with and my rulership and my power and authority with my disciples, I want you to experience that too. And so Jesus is not only saying to His disciples, join me as we reign together, but I want you to join me. I want the church to join me. To sit beside me and experience victory. Experience dominance. I'm not talking about you're going to get extra $5 in your pocket. I'm not talking about that kind of dominance. I'm talking about being able to live above your circumstances. And above all, to, to have this glorious, victorious experience with God. I asked myself this question as I was looking at this. Was I created to rule? Were you created to rule? I don't even know if that appeals to you. I know... Some people that work for me would love to be in charge. I'm not saying, you know, I'm just saying, you know, some people, there's some people love to be in charge, you know, and, and, and maybe you would too at work, you know, what, what are you here for? Well, I'm just starting. What's your goals? I'm going to take the boss's job. Is that what he's talking about here? Kind of, I guess, but it's, there's, I don't know what it is when you feel like I've got all the levers, like the boss has all the levers. He has all the control. He has nothing to worry about. 
I just kept asking myself, was I created, was mankind created to rule? The Bible says yes. That Adam and Eve, that they were given, they were to dominate the birds of the air and the fishes of the sea. They were lifted up higher than everything else. They meant more than everything else. It's a prominent thing. I mean, I was going through all these, oh, what's, what am I going to rule? What am I going to be in charge of? Is that what he's talking about? I'm not even sure. I just know he wants me to be with him and rule with him. They're just something. Church, to be a part of the kingdom of God, we haven't touched the hem of the garment yet, have we? We just don't quite understand how incredible this kingdom is because it's going to outlive every historical experience and kingdom and all these invincible problems that we think are invincible, it's going to outlast all of that. And he says, I want you over here to experience that. I want you to, here's what I wrote. Tim, I want you to sit next to me. I want you to sit on the throne that I've made for you. The Son of Man, this was, this was for to, to sit next to me and rule together, work together, overcome together. Enjoy security together. To manage life together. And church, you can experience that now. Not after you die. You can face the beast in your life, and maybe it's death, maybe it's cancer, maybe it's maybe it's foreclosure, maybe it's a a, a job issue, whatever it is. You can face knowing. Son of man is bigger than all these. And I'm in his kingdom that he's established. So I'll be took care of. So let me ask you a question this morning, I guess, as we close out here. Do you know the Son of Man? Are you sure you're in his kingdom? Because if you are, listen, you have no, this is what I'm learning. COVID. Inflation, disease, fears, whatever it be, phobias. What's going to happen to, what's going to go on in Ukraine? Not saying these don't matter, but there's something else that puts it in perspective. It just puts it all in perspective. I don't have to cower and worry when I know Jesus Christ. I just wonder sometimes when I get to heaven, Jesus is going to say, you know that stuff you were worried about? Yeah, why? Why did you waste all that time? I had it covered. I know. You even said it a lot. I know I said it a lot. But why didn't you, why didn't you accept it? I don't know. I'm just a scaredy cat. Where's my cot? You know, I'm just happy to be here. Oh, God wants us to experience more than a cot. He wants to experience victory, a victorious life. And it can be yours once you make that commitment to Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for for sending Your Son. Jesus, thank You for being a human being, but thank You for being more than that. You are Superman. You're not 
You're, yes, you, you came, you were humble, and yes, you were human, and you people could grab you and touch you and hurt you. And, and we know that that helps us understand that you're not someone that just can't empathize. You can. Father, we know you, you didn't, your son didn't come here. Jesus, we know you didn't come here just to show us, hey, I love you, uh, uh, and you can, uh, you can be sure that I care, but there's a life you call us to that can change history one person at a time. So, Father, we pray this, this morning that we'll deepen our understanding, deepen our understanding about the Son of Man. And Jesus, we ask you to help us learn to celebrate and be excited about about you and what you what you you do, what you've been doing, and what you want to do in our lives. Father, your Son shows us what we were originally created to be, and we pray for strength and faith to become more and more like Jesus. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.